the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need, and Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Hey there, and welcome to the third season of the Business Savvy Singer podcast. We're so glad that you're here. This season of the podcast features weekly interviews with professional singers of all genres and backgrounds, in addition to featuring experts who provide support services for singers. Join us each week for great information to move your career forward. Keep in touch with us via social media. We want to hear from you. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. Today, I have an exceptional woman with me who's going to give us a lot of great information. Her name is Dr. Angela. Dr. Angela is a board-certified psychiatrist in child and adolescent psychiatry. She currently works in student wellness at a prestigious university and is a consultant for a school district in downstate Illinois, as she enjoys treating students of all ages. Welcome, Dr. Angela. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for being with us. You know, uh, so many singers, and, and not just singers, people in general, are struggling with their mental health, their emotional health, post-pandemic, um, and, and particularly for people who are performers, uh, they, they have all kinds of things that they deal with. So we kind of want to dive into some of these things today and get your thoughts and opinions on some of these things. So my first question to you, how can people who put themselves in public facing careers, singers, musicians, etc., how can they find a way to center themselves and live in a way that combats the adrenaline infused highs and the often very lonely lows? Yeah, very good question. I mean, there are lots of ways that um, people can center themselves or prepare for um, situations that may cause anxiety. Well, the main thing is to make sure that they're prepared for the performance or the audition or the interview or whatever the person is facing. So just, you know, making sure that they take the time to prepare. And then also, you know, practicing relaxation techniques always is very, very helpful. And so some people do um, deep 
deep breathing where, you know, they inhale, um, you know, through their nose and exhale through their mouths. And there are just various um, deep breathing um, techniques that are helpful. Mm -hmm. Some people do like progressive muscle relaxation where they, you know, different parts of the body they start with and they, you know, kind of focus on that and relax that could help and then definitely visualization is 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 very helpful like mm-hmm. you know taking the time to imagine how they want the audition or the performance or whatever the person is engaging and doing or you know they're just you know various techniques of um for you know centering oneself you know um a lot so and, and it's important to center yourself to be in the moment Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when um, things don't go well, we're living in the past, mm-hmm. which sometimes, you know, thinking about how things used to be and yeah. all of that, which, you know, sometimes can bring joy, but it also can bring sadness or, yes. you know, things. Or we're living in the future. Like, what if this happens? What if that <laughs> happens? What if it doesn't go well? Yeah. So instead of living in the past or the future, considering yourself to be in that moment often helps. That's great. That's a great response. So in general, what kind of issues are you seeing with patients these days? What general tips do you have for people experiencing these, the kinds of things that you're seeing? Yeah, so uh, we're seeing we're busier than ever since the pandemic um, mm-hmm. started. Like um, we, we just have not had a, a moment's break in, yeah. in psychiatry and psychology. We've just been busy. Mm-hmm. And so seeing a lot of depression and seeing a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so when a psychiatrist or a psychologist says anxiety, we mean it more broadly because there are various, various types of anxiety conditions. And so, you know, if a person is dealing with any sort of mood condition, so again, we group it all together, anxiety and depression are mood conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, The main thing I tell people is to like determine whether or not it's something that um, they could handle on their their own or something that they need help for and help again could, uh, is broad help could be talking to a counselor or talking to a primary care physician it could be talking to a psychiatrist but you know um, um that's the main thing is when is it when is my anxiety or depression uh, to the point where i need outside resources mm-hmm. and so the question i ask answer usually is a little even more specific than that as a psychiatrist as you know, but sharing with your your listeners that, you know, a psychiatrist is an MD, so we're physicians. So our role is determining whether or not a person needs medication, you know, but there are certain things that I always tell people to think about when they're thinking about whether or not um, medication should be considered. So I'll start there because that's what I talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. And so what we look at, we look at two main things when we're determining whether or not medication should be considered. The first thing we look for is whether or not a person has biological evidence of the condition. And so we look for that in two ways. So biological evidence, we look for a family history, and it doesn't have to be a family history of the same exact thing the person has. So if I'm seeing someone and I have depression, my family history
history doesn't have to be specifically for depression. It could be for anything related to low serotonin, which is a chemical in the brain. But it oh. could be a family history of depression or a family history of panic attacks or mm-hmm. a family history of generalized anxiety or any of the anxiety conditions. Mm-hmm. So, again, one way we look for biological evidence is we look for family history. The second way we look for biological evidence is we look for any physical changes in the person or physical symptoms. So physical symptoms would be things like a change in the sleep patterns. So if the person's not sleeping enough or because of their mood or they're sleeping too much because of their mood. Mm -hmm. Another change would be a change in appetite. And again, that could go either way too. They're either not unable to eat or eating very little or they're eating too much. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Physical symptoms could be things like headaches or stomach aches or increased muscle tension. Mm -hmm. Um, So or heart racing. So if a person has either physical symptoms or if they have a family history, they have biological evidence of the condition and they should consider seeing a provider. Mm -hmm. The other um, thing we look for, in addition to the biological evidence, we look to see if the mood condition is causing any impairment or any problems. Mm -hmm. And so that's a more of a vague thing because when we say problems, we don't necessarily mean really hard, serious problems. It could be things like um, not enjoying things as much as they used to or avoiding things mm-hmm. that the person you know previously enjoyed or that they're qualified for but you know and so those are things that you know make us consider medication but also the same sorts of things could be um, used to consider seeing a provider because sometimes it takes the provider like a provider could be a counselor or therapist or mm-hmm. a primary doctor or a psychiatrist but seeing because then they could help you know, the person determine like, you know, is it um, more serious than I think? Mm-hmm. And, and taking a step back, just talking to friends and family, because sometimes what you're experiencing, um, other people are feeling the same way and you realize, OK, well, maybe it's somewhat normal that I'm worried. You know, we've mm-hmm. been working from home and all of a sudden they want me to come in and do something in person. And so it may not be just one person who's nervous about that. It may be 15 or 10 or five, but it helps you not to feel isolated. Yes. Yes. That's great. That that really helps people to get a sense of you know, when they might need some outside intervention. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And and also, a lot of times you feel, again, that it's more normal than you think. Because, mm-hmm. again, people sometimes feel they're the only ones feeling a certain way. Yes. And when you talk to other people, a lot of times they've experienced similar things or they have friends or family members who have experienced similar things and they're quite understanding. And mm-hmm. it gives the people opportunity to um, support you know, you in various ways, yes. you know. Yes, that's great. So now a big topic of concern for singers, speakers, and other performers uh, is performance anxiety or stage fright. And I know that you talked a little bit about this before, uh, but many very experienced performers suffer from this. How would you advise them? And I know you talked about, you know, living in the moment, not thinking about, oh, this could go wrong or that could go wrong or something like that. But do you have any other thoughts about um, managing performance anxiety? 
Absolutely. Well, again, unfortunately and fortunately, I think of it from a medication standpoint, mostly just because that's my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. And so there are um, there is a medication or there are medications that can be helpful Mm -hmm. um, for that. Um, And they the medications are used only um, before performances. And all they do is they keep your heart from racing, keep your voice from shaking and that sort of thing. So that's Mm -hmm. one option. The other thing, again, definitely breathing techniques are very, very helpful for those with stage fright. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's very helpful. Um, focusing um, on certain things in the room um, can be helpful for many people during a performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do is, is I take off my glasses or my contacts so I can't see people's um, oh, <laughs> facial expressions. That's a good so tactic. So when I first started getting um, before I became an expert speaker, people don't realize I had a huge fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And so one of my techniques was just like not being able to see the crowd's <laughs> um, facial expressions helped me a ton. And so, you know, but some people have good eyesight. So they, those people have learned to focus on like one person or focus on something in the room that is not obvious that they're not focusing. But, you know, and again, um, um, you know, just managing no, managing the emotions, mm-hmm. like what your positive self-talk versus negative self-talk yes. helps. And, you know, telling yourself, you know, instead of focusing on all the things that could go wrong, focusing on all the things that could go right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and knowing your own value and people are there, you're singing there or performing or speaking or whatever for a reason. Yeah. And so just, you know, reminding yourself of your own value and just taking the time to enjoy it. That's and great. know that, you know, it's a learning opportunity um, or, or opportunity to share a gift that you have. You know. That's great. You know, one of the things that I think about is, you know, if I ever have any kind of performance anxiety, I think this is what you asked for. This is what you want. <laughs> so make the <laughs> most of it. You know, <laughs> this is this is what you've worked all this time to be in this situation. So. Yeah, there there are a lot of tactics, and and uh, you know people just need to try to um, understand what works for them. You know, because you know we're all. I mean, when you're in front of an audience, you're a single person. You're in front of a huge audience. Naturally, you're going to have a little bit of you know a little trepidation about it. But if you you're right. I mean, if you get your mind right, it will go very well. And I love what you said because people are very different. Mm-hmm. And so different things work for different performers. Yeah. And so that's why I always encourage students to talk to various people and try different techniques that they try. And not all of them are going to work for right. you. But if you talk to people and you try various things, then you ultimately find the ones that work for you. Yes. And so that's the main thing. And so that's why, you know, talking to people about it is so helpful because again, people can give you ideas and strategies that you haven't thought of and it Mm -hmm. gives you the opportunity to try those things and not all of them are going to work, but it helps you to find the ones that work. Right, right. That's great. That's great. Um, It has been said that performers often struggle with mental health due to the love of their craft, the years of study and experience that make them good at their craft, but also they struggle with the possible financial insecurity associated with their craft. 
Self-worth for performers is often not tied to their skill level, but it's tied to being able to derive a steady income and stable lifestyle from their skills. How can professional artists in all disciplines manage the insecurities that they experience due to the time that they put in, due to the oftentimes lack of adequate income, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a very good question and a very uh, challenging question because everyone wants to make a living from the thing that they are naturally skilled at and that they have studied mm-hmm. you know and and so it's it's a difficult um situation when you know you are talented and you know you are well trained and yet um those things don't bring the financial reward um, that you're seeking. And so, you know, I I have multiple answers to that question as I have multiple friends who are professional artists and things. Um, one thing I have to um, say is, or that one strategy that I've seen work for many people is to, you know, donate some, a little of their services just to get more public publicity mm-hmm. um and 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 donate it in ways that make you feel gratified so that you're you're sharing your gift um and you're but you're also getting some publicity from that mm-hmm. um to like making sure that you do have ways that you can make money. Like some people we get stuck in, you know, I, this, you know, as, as well trained as I am or as gifted as I am, I do not want to accept this little thing or this thing that, you know, is is beneath where I think I should be Mm -hmm. or is beneath the value, you know, that I think I should get for this thing. And so kind of reframing that thought Mm -hmm. and, 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 and telling yourself, like I'm giving this now because at some point in my career, I won't be able to give in, in this way, yes. you know, so reframing your thoughts in that way. Um, also, you know, having other things that um, you get paid for that you would do for free. Mm-hmm. So finding other parts of what you do that you enjoy and, and that and, and finding ways to make money from that. Because again, we all like focus on making buddies the, the same way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but there are lots of various um, jobs that, you know, that uh, people enjoy that they can make an income from. So mm-hmm. just, but, but just being um, creative, but strategic. Yes. Is what I would say. And just like and and sometimes again, um, like like I don't want to say humbling yourself, but just, you know, uh, knowing that the rewards will come, but you have to be generous in a way to benefit or reap the rewards. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Wow. Yeah. I hope the listeners are really listening to that because it's, it's so true. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Some of the things in careers that people end up getting paid for are things that they started out like doing for free, right. like, like, right. see, like lots of things. And so mm-hmm. that's the thing. And so, you know, so now, now it's funny because at the time when you need the money, right. <laughs> you're, you're giving it for free, yeah, that's right. time, but still you, you reap the rewards later and sometimes yeah. that's okay. Yeah. You know? And it's allowing you to develop some new skills. You know, to right. get good at something that, that you can monetize at a later time. It's great. Right, right. Yeah. 
The pandemic has been difficult for all businesses. However, performers have really been especially hard hit by concert cancellations, uh, you know, creating the actual inability to work, the actual inability. You know, when the, when the pandemic started, everything shut down, people were not working at all. Some performers resorted to online streaming from their living rooms with a virtual tip jar. Some performers changed their career trajectory and others really struggled with the concept of pivoting or perhaps they didn't have the skills to pivot. What would your recommendations for performer would be for performers moving forward? How can they best manage the anxiety around this and their feelings around the fact that there could be future pandemics or future things that would prohibit them from working? Yeah, great question. And so um, I think that um, the question is important across the board, again, particularly for performers or people who are known to do um, their um, job in person. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I would encourage everyone to like be prepared, develop more skills and always have in the back of your minds going forward, you know, what will I do if this tour gets canceled? Yeah. Or if this, you know, the the um, you know, the musical or whatever is yeah. going, what, what what can we do if this gets canceled? Mm -hmm. And so um, the same thing happened. I was an expert speaker at the time of the pandemic, and so that got shut down right away. Mm -hmm. And and I had to think. And the first thing I thought was, is can I give the presentation via Zoom? Yes. And I had no Zoom skills. I barely had PowerPoint <laughs> skills at that point. I knew how to do PowerPoint. Point, but not to make it all engaging and creative. Yeah. And it was not um, something I was comfortable with. And so fast forward three years later, I'm so used to giving presentations yeah. on Zoom and things. It's going to be awkward when I have to shift back to giving them in front of live audiences. Yeah. But just, you know, realizing that um, you're not the only one in that situation mm -hmm. and it's a learning curve. And I had to tell myself that people were going to be patient with me, whether they were or not. I told myself like, look, this is new for me. Um, and, 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 you know, I ended up learning the skill, mm -hmm. but, um, I would say, Going forward, we all will be thinking about things we never considered. Mm -hmm. So like as uh, doctors, we have to say, well, what will happen if all of a sudden I can't see patients in person? Mm -hmm. And, so, and yeah. so performers or everyone will have to think about that or think about or, you know, maybe I should take a job or keep my skills up in some ways. Or mm -hmm. And those who didn't have skills, maybe now that things are in person, learning like, you know, uh, 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 other opportunities. Of, or of asking other people what they did and mm -hmm. not being afraid uh, to learn, but just knowing that we all found a way to be resilient yeah. and, you know, and, you know, try to find ways to, you know, know that we can survive if something unexpected occurs because we won't know what it is, but, right. just, you know. That's right. I, you know, I, I think it's so important for us as adults to not be afraid to not know what we're doing. You know, during the yeah. pandemic, I was doing a webinar, I started doing it during the pandemic, um, for SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild in Chicago. Uh -huh. And um, my initial thought was, I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to do Zoom, I don't, you know. 
And the woman that um, I was kind of working with to do this, she was with SAG-AFTRA. She said, you know what? Just jump in with both feet. Nobody knows what we're doing and everybody will be forgiving. Whereas if you wait two or three years to do this, you'll be behind yes. the curve. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I, I, I really took that to heart. I thought, you know, we have to not be afraid to try things that we don't know. As adults, as professional people, we are so accustomed to being that expert in our area. And all of a sudden you're having to be a novice and having to think, I have no idea how to do this, but it's important to not be afraid to do those things so that you can develop new skills. I think that that's great. And so when we try it and it doesn't go as well as we want or it's not perfect, then oftentimes people will help and encourage you too or teach yes. you the little bit you need to know to take it to the next level. Right. And so that's the way I am too. I like to jump in with both feet, yeah. and but to acknowledge uh, that, you know, this is new for me. And uh, one of the things that I uh, always tell people is managing expectations is huge mm -hmm. and managing ex your own expectations and the expectations of others. And so, you know, when I think about, you know, artists and performers and, you know, there are some who could, you know, do numerous auditions and, you know, not get the part or the job and mm -hmm. still, you know, go back out there. Yeah. Uh, then there are others who get devastated and they just want to quit and give up. And yes. so like, you know, being able to, you know, tell yourself you're ready and all of that, but then be okay and whole if it doesn't work out in that moment, yes. you have to, you know, realistically manage your expectations. Yeah. And then also when people are asking of you and demanding of you or managing the expectations of others and just saying, hey, yes, I'm willing to do this, but I'm new and, you know, we'll work out the cake. So just be patient with yes. me. And that, that is like, people know me, know that that's my favorite <laughs> phase is managing expectations. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's great. So since so many people are so addicted to their phones for entertainment and work purposes, how do you recommend taking a break from screen time without feeling guilty or feeling that you're not doing enough to pursue your career? Right. Well, it depends on the person, but um, everyone needs to take a break from screen time. It's just, it, um, there's no way to practice good self-care if you're always connected, mm -hmm. um, always, you know, um, working um, towards your goal or anything. So, um, and maintaining, making sure that screen time is not an escape. Yeah. For some people, they're 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 on screens, but they're not working on their craft. They're mm -hmm. like either playing a game yeah. or looking at social media mm -hmm. or just doing something. So one, um, not using um, screen time in, in as avoidance. But then there are other people who are constantly planning and working and all of that. Yeah. But then they're not taking the time for self care. Yeah. So just um, people have to remind themselves that it's equally important to rest. Mm -hmm. It's equally important to have human interaction and conversations with other people or visits with other people, you know, um, you know, taking time to meditate or relax or think, but without the screen in front of you, like, like almost telling you what you right. should be thinking or like watching or doing and that sort of thing. And, um, different ways. Some people are able to be disciplined enough to like set 
certain hours or, or times that they use as their quiet time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, you know, there are di- different techniques. Um, a physician who spoke at um, a medical school graduation said that doctors should not listen to the radio or listen to anything on the way to work. And so I tried that. And at the time I was working, you know, pretty far from home mm-hmm. and it does, it, it, it was different than me listening to certain music and being influenced by what I heard or listening to yes. news on the radio. But to start the day with clear thoughts was just totally different. I was like, wow, I didn't imagine something <laughs> yeah. so small as mm-hmm. to taking that time as quiet time would make such a huge difference. But whatever time it is, people need to unplug. Um, and if they're that they can't find a way to do so, like um, some students buy those lock boxes mm-hmm. for their phones that they have yeah. to put them in there. Uh, things, but whatever it takes to have that quiet time is important. That's great. That's great. So, what's your biggest tip for bettering mental health post pandemic, just in general, for people across the board? Yeah, just staying connected in whatever ways that work, because again, the pandemic was isolating, but Mm -hmm. people who found ways to reach out to other people. So just finding ways to remain connected with your people who are close to you, uh, making sure that you get adequate rest, adequate nutrition, Mm -hmm. adequate exercise, and just, you know, um, check in uh, with yourself and check in with um, other people. Like, listen. Listen to what you're feeling and, and, and things, but also check in with other people. Journaling, you know, yeah. writing down, writing things down. There are different ways to journal. Some people just say do a dump, which means just write until you're tired of yeah. writing. Mm-hmm. Um, other people like journal on a regular basis. Um, and then practicing gratitude and it, and it could be, it doesn't have to be a huge, um, elaborate thing. Um, the way I was uh, doing gratitude is just thinking of three things I'm thankful for. Mm. And it's funny because I think I was doing three things that I'm irritated with and three things (laughs) I'm thankful for. And so that one day it jumped out at me, the three things I was irritated with all had to do with my job. But then when I said, what am I thankful for? My first thing was my job. Yep. <laughs> so that refocused me right away because yep. that same thing that was irritating me. But I was like, but actually I'm thankful that I have it. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So what would you recommend for listeners seeking services for themselves or for a loved one? How should they connect with a professional for help? Great question. That is a great question. So the main thing is like um, trying to find a provider that works. So one website that I always give to um, patients, family, and friends is Mm -hmm. psychologytoday.com. It doesn't have all therapists on there, but it has quite a few and people can uh, look up their profiles and their um, backgrounds, but just any, you know, a general website site um, that has information, um, I encourage patients to talk to their general doctors to mm-hmm. ask. A lot of times, you know, people can find counseling services, therapy, and um, psychiatric services, you know, within their health plan, but talking to their primary care physician, mm-hmm. looking on your insurance website, again, they have information on therapists that accept your insurance and psychiatrists. But, you know, and talking to schools, like what 
whether you're, um, uh, if you're a child, you can call the um, office at the kids' school um, or, you know, universities. Um, they have counseling services, but they also have lists of providers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but just talking to other people, churches oftentimes have that information. But the main thing is just to um, not be afraid to ask because there are tons of resources out there. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Yes, not today. I'm just thrilled that this is such an important topic. Yes, and um, again, you know, everyone um, has times when they could use a little extra support. So just, you know, feeling free to talk to other people in your profession uh, as support. You know, we, we do not compete with each other. We support and help each other. Mm-hmm. And so thinking of it in that way, be a support to other people is what I would say. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Dr. Angela, thank you so, so much for being with us today. I am sure that you've helped a lot of people. There are just so many things to sort through, and uh, you've given us some good information. So thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. (laughs) Thank you. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit DonMixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. The Business Savvy Singer Podcast is brought to you by the PrivateMusicStudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer.